Trust in his own knowledge and his physique. So it makes him strong. Earning his wages through hard labor, drilling through concrete or welding steel, forging iron, operating heavy machines, or hunting and harvesting for his own meals. Or perhaps it is becoming a great fighter, feeling no pain, gaining recognition and attaining more power, leading hundreds of men into battle while standing victorious in that final hour. Or maybe it's never receiving a handout while earning your own stripes. Surely becoming a self-made millionaire from the projects overnight was not meant for cowards. It takes a strong man to pull himself up out of that hard knock life. But still, it is all in vain. Fruitless accomplishments, fleeting notoriety, foolish achievements, if not committed entirely to his will. A strong man defined by the eternal word of God is one who knows that his true strength is found in Jesus Christ. He delights in the fact that God's might is made perfect in his weakness. And we got confidence, he fights, boldly standing in the gap with his family, for his brothers, his community, and the oppressed. And when the rest of the world is filled with fear, he does not waver. When they mock the name of our Savior, he will shout the name of Jesus from the rooftops. He is strong. He stares down adversity until it flees, because the strongest men who have walked this earth found their strength on their knees. His name is Michael, but he preferred to be called Mike. In school, he made a C in public speaking. He was 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighed 157 pounds, wore a size 10 shoe. When he married, he and his new bride spent their wedding night in a funeral parlor. He basically died penniless at age 39. But his name dawns over 900 streets and roads in America. The monument to honor him is made of granite and stands 30 feet tall in Washington, D.C. And he is best known for his speech, I Have a Dream. Michael, or as his dad renamed him, Martin Luther King. Dr. King's life cannot be measured by what he owned. It cannot be measured by his, by his possessions and, and everything he acquired. But his impact changed America. He rewrote the fabric and, and there was a shift. And America is different today and better so because of Dr. Martin Luther King. You see, God uses a person one person that will stand strong. Tony Evans made the statement, Greatness is maximizing your potential for the glory of God and the good of others. And I like that. Just everything you are and everything God's wired you and what God has deposited in your life, maximizing it so God would receive glory and others Others would be benefited. He called, that, he called that greatness. And I believe for everyone in here, there is a making great life God has for you. God is calling. The Holy Spirit is summonsing us to a making great life. That's what God intends. Fellas, none of us want to go out and buy a jersey of the, of the, of the kicker of the team or the second stream. We, we want the MVP. We want the quarterback. We want the star running back. We want, the, we want the best. We don't want to just kind of in the second stream. But you know what? When it comes to our life, so many times... We're content for ordinary. We, we really apprise and believe in greatness and we like the extraordinary, but when it comes to our lives, we just accept ordinary. I can't do better. I can't be. I can't achieve unto that. So many believers in the kingdom of God live an ordinary marriage or even substandard. So many, so many ladies, you, you, you just take a second row and God sees greatness in you. God sees Something wonderful he can do through you, but we accept, we accept ordinary. I believe failure is anything less than what God intends. 
If your marriage is, is just ordinary, can I tell you, there, to some degree, there is failure happening because God intends greatness in that. God intends that your, your marriage be a blessing to you and be a model for your kids and, and the relational ecosystem to grow a healthy and a strong person into an adulthood. Your faith, your faith to be soaring encouraging and not just always on the, on the end of, of privation and spiritual want, but to have an impact with your coworkers and your family. Greatness. And many of us in so many aspects of our life, we're, we're satisfied with ordinary. And God sees greatness for us. Fellas, don't be ordinary, Joe, because you become average, Joe. Then you become Joe Schmo. Then Joe Blow, and then you end up with being Mr. Nobody. And I'm here to invite us to stand strong. To have stand strong courage. To become what God intended us to become. To become in our lives, in our marriage. And whether you're a young adult or a professional lady or, 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 or a or gentleman. Whatever sphere you're at. The courage to become and be all God intended. Requires two things. Passion and courage. Now passion is the degree of desire you have to reach a goal. Passion is the degree of desire. Courage is the degree of difficulty you're willing to endure to get to that goal. Many of you have passion. I have a passion to get my master's degree. I have a passion to start my own business. I have a passion to have a better marriage. I have a passion to become something. I have a passion. Do you have the courage? Many of us have the passion. It's on our wish list to become. I have the passion to be something great for God. I have the passion to, for God to work in me. Do you have the discipline? Are you willing to go through the struggle, the difficulty to become what God intends you to become? Passion is always short-term. Courage is long-term. Passion is you get excited about it. You know, in a moment you hear a, a presentation or you go to a seminar, something stirs you. I say, yeah, I want to do it. I want to get my degree. I want to be like that. I, I, I want to join a life group. I want to do it. Just passion awakes. So just the desire. But we always go back down to the same ordinary level because we lack the courage. Passion says I should. Courage says I will. And I'm here to awaken in our hearts the courage to become all that God's. I'm here to encourage every one of us. Stand strong in what God wants to do and intends to do in our lives. And with that, I'd like to, I'd like to read to you some scripture. And I want to tell you about a man named Gideon. If you have your Westover app, open it or go to your Old Testament, the book of Judges, chapter number 6. And we're going to talk about this. Let me tell you about Gideon. Gideon is in the book of Judges, in the time of the book of Judges. Let me tell you historically where it's at. It's between Moses and King David. Between the Exodus, God delivering the, 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 his people, the Jewish people, out of Egypt, and before King David, before the monarchy. This in-between area is called the time of the Judges. That's, that's the time of, of the book of Joshua, the book of judges in the old testament now now some scholars refer to this time as the dark years why because god's people were singled out to be great god the, the promise to abraham out of you i'm going to bless the nations of the world you're going to be a great and i'm going to multiply you but they did not have the courage to be all that god wanted they just settled for ordinary and because they settled for ordinary all of a sudden, the surrounding armies, God said, you want to be ordinary? Okay, you be ordinary. I'll wait till you call upon me. And the surrounding armies, the Canaanites, the Amalekites, the Midianites, and we're going to talk about the, the, the Midians coming in against them. They began to pillage them. In fact, chapter 6 says they began to ravage them. The, the Jewish people would, would grow their crops 
store their grain, herd their livestock together. And when they finally got resources to take them through the winter, the Midians were watching. And then all of a sudden they would come in like a, like a force and they would take all of the grain, take the livestock, pillage them and leave them broke and ravaged. This happened time and time and time and time again. Over and over. And I look in our world today. Our our society is being ravaged. Listen to the evening news. What's happening on our schools? What's happening in our culture? There is a headwind against people of faith. The the, the things we value is being challenged. Families are breaking apart. Families are stressed. We are facing a time in America when, when... Our home's Christian values are being ravaged, and I'm here to awaken us to stand strong. Let's don't go that path. Let's don't go that direction. God has a different plan for our lives, and it's during the dark years we find ourselves in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Gideon. And the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak in Orphrah that belonged to Joash. And Abiz right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat and a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now many of us will read verse number 11 and we just say, okay. Gideon was under an oak tree. We have oak trees here. He was at a place of a, of a wine press, whatever that is. I'm not really sure what it is. And he was threshing. We, we just think that that's just kind of immaterial to the story. It's very, it's very insightful. Let me unpack it. Let me unpack it. He was taking the wheat, and the wheat, they, they thrashed the wheat and stored the grain so they would have enough food to feed their family through uh, the next several months. So Gideon, he's thrashing the wheat like they always did, but did you notice? It's under a tree. You never thrash wheat under a tree. Why? You take the shocks of wheat, and you thrash them. You typically put out a piece of cloth. You thrash them, and the grain, the wheat, falls upon the cloth. Now, when it falls upon the cloth, some of the little sticks and twigs also fall there. It's called the chaff. It falls on there. Wait, you throw the long shocks away, and now here is the wheat with, with all of the, the, the little debris and the chaff in there. And then you would take a f- few people, and you would take that piece of cloth, and you would you would all of a sudden kind of like throw it in the air. And as the wheat goes in the air, when there's a strong wind, it blows the chaff away. That's how they purified the wheat. You would never do that under a tree. You would never do that. He's doing it under a tree. Not only is he doing it under a tree, he's doing it in a wine press. I want you to think, what is, what's a wine press? Help me understand. Just think in terms of like a, something about the size of a one-car garage. It's a little stone building that they have built. Why would they would take care of the, of the grapes and squeeze them to get the juice out of? So because they didn't have a refrigeration, so they, they would use the grapes and the fermentation would keep it pure. That's what they drank. So... He's doing it in a wine press under a tree. Why the tree? Because the tree would keep the place cool. That's why they put the wine press there so it's in the hot sun and keep it cool. It it would be like this. Guys, it would be like you taking ready-mix cement into the living room and storing it together. You would never do that. You wouldn't take ready-mix cement into the living room of your house with a wheelbarrow and mix it together and then take it outside. That's exactly what he's doing. So why is he doing it in a wine press under a tree? He's afraid. He's afraid. The Bible says, the last phrase of that, verse number 11, to keep it from the Midianites. Did you notice that? In other words, if they did it in the opening, then all of a sudden the Midians would see the, the plume of dust and uh, of the chaff blowing away. There they are. They're, 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 they're purifying the wheat now. Let's go get that. So he was doing it under hiding. He, he was afraid. He was intimidated. He didn't, he was afraid the, the Midianite, he was, he didn't want to show up, speak up. Have you ever been there? You're afraid, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say something to the public school. I'm not going to say anything to them. I'm not going to say anything to my, my, my boss about this. And we get intimidated. And because we're intimidated, we're ravaged. And I'm here to say, stand strong, stand strong. He was fearful, intimidated. And I was thinking, what is the most fearful moment I've ever had. I was thinking about it just preparing for this message. 
What is the time that you were the most, the, the most fearful moment? We all have fears. We all have things that we're afraid of. Every one, every one of us, every one of us, we have fears to some degree. And I was thinking, the time in my life I was the most, the most scared. I remember it. I mean, I remember it. Several years ago, our girls, our daughters were much smaller than they are now. They're little kids. And Denise, Denise had taken the two, our two daughters and they had gone to New Mexico to see families, taking the kids to see grandparents, and she's going to be gone about four or five days. It was during the summertime, so she's going to go see the take the kids to see grandparents. So she's away. So I'm at the house all by myself. Now at that particular time, we lived in a mobile home, and in the mobile home, you know, it wasn't real big, but it's 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 just what we lived in at that particular time. So Denise is with the with the girls, seeing seeing uh, their grandparents. And I'm at the house alone, and I'm in bed at night. Have you ever been sleeping? You're not sure if you actually went to sleep, dozed off or not. Kind of in that in-between time, you know. You, you think you were asleep, but you're not sure you were asleep. Well, I was, I was in the bed that evening, and it was, the house was completely dark. It was nighttime, and I was going to sleep. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was startled awake by a noise in the house. My eyes came, came open. What's happening? And in the dark of the house I could hear someone in the other room turning things over stuff was breaking falling apart rummaging through there was an intruder in the house and I'm there and I thought oh God thank you my wife and my daughters are not here that was the first thing I am so glad this happened when my daughters are not there and and I'm in the house and I'm listening did I miss here something no I could hear I could hear stuff I could hear stuff being knocked over. It's in the next room, rummaging through somebody had gotten out. Somebody's gathering all of our treasures. We have very little at that time, but everything they had, they're taking them. And I'm listening. My heart is beating like a bass drum at that particular time. You say, why don't you call on the cell phone? Somebody this was the day before cell phones. In fact, the only house we, phone we had was in the kitchen, and it was on the other side of the house. The kitchen is over there, and in the mobile home, the bedroom was in the back, and between me and the telephone in the other room, there's this noise going on. And I'm just petrified, pitch black, heart beating like a bass drum, like a bass drum. The house is black as Egypt. And finally I said, I gotta do something, gotta do something. So I, I, I rolled out of bed quietly. And I, in the dark, I began to, and I found the drawer, and I opened it, and I rummaged through there. And I, there, I found my 22 caliber pistol. It's in the back. I found it. I'm going to go arrest this person. <laughs> the phone's over there. What else are you going to do? I'm going to arrest. So I get up, and I am tiptoeing down that long shotgun hallway. Just very, I don't want to make any noise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up on this person, and I have it. It's dark, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I hear what room they're in, and I know where the light switch is. So I walk up, and I'm holding the gun. True story. I reach in with a light switch, and here's, I have my plan. I'm fixing the, I'm going to turn on the light switch, and I'm going to say, stop it now! And I'm going to hold the gun out, and I did. Light come on, stop it now! And on the end of my gun, there was a possum in the house. <laughs> a possum had crawled in a hole in the floor I did not know about. And he was crawling over everything, knocking everything. It's, mad, it's amazing what your imagination could do to you. Eh? I mean, I was going to take on this guy and, and just, you know, I was going to protect what we have. And there was a possum right there. And I'm telling you, I was as scared as I've ever been. What did you do with the possum? I said, I chased him out of the same hole he got in. And then I, it took me half the night to go back and say, boom, boom. You know what I'm talking about? Your heart is just, your heart is just pounding there. That's the, that's the scaredest I've ever been. Can I tell you, all of us, all of us have fears, fears. There was a gentleman that wrote a book. And he talked about what he called human universals. He went around and he did a study on every culture, every culture in the world. Middle East, Latin America, Western, Europe, uh, Eskimos. I mean, I, I, every culture there is studied every culture on planet Earth. And he came out with what he said were human universals. And in that, he said there were, there were some common some common fears in every culture. It doesn't matter whether you live in 
upper income in a Europe or United States or you're in Latin America, whether you're in the jungle, in the Amazon, doesn't matter. Every culture shares what he said, these common fears, common fears. What are some of the common fears? And you know what? To some degree, lesser or greater, some of us share this. One is the fear of doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Have you ever just even walked up to a place and said, go fill out that form, and you walk, and there's several forms. You say, I just don't want to fill out the wrong form. And you go back, and you double-check, or you ask the person three or four times. To a small degree, that's the fear of doing the wrong thing. And many of us have it. Many of us are just caught in that. Some of you, you're going to go to a restaurant today, and you're going to order the same thing you've ordered for 10 years at that restaurant. Because you won't try anything. I'm not sure I will like that. If I order that and I don't like that, it's, it's the fear of doing the wrong thing. To a lesser or greater degree, all of us share someone. Uh, number, number two is the fear of doing the right thing the wrong way. The fear of doing the right thing the wrong way. You know, I don't want to go do them waste my time. I don't want to get all that time in it and then it not, be, not work out. I don't know. I, I better take that class and that class. I don't want to not take this. And some of you have taken more classes in your degree. Why? Because I just don't want to miss. I want to make sure I get there and I get everything happen. We, we do that. There's some of you ladies. Some of you ladies, you, you deal with this. Because, because grandmother made the best homemade tortillas. And you don't. You say, no one can make them like grandmother. She made the best. She had a way of making homemade flour tortillas. They were the best. And you just have not ventured into it. And I have a word from the Lord for you. (laughs) I'm willing to help you. I'm willing. You make the homemade flour tortillas. You bring them to me. I will work with you through this process. I will walk that pathway through you until you finally do it as good as grandma. You can work with me and I will give you feedback and I will talk you through this. And I I am willing to pastor you through the tortilla process if you'll allow me, okay? I just make that available. Another fear, the fear of, of getting worse, of things getting worse. The fear of things getting worse. Yeah, some of us had it. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to make things worse. Have you ever had a pain that began to increase? You say, I don't know, it's kind of in the side, and, and it started, and now it's increased. And have you ever Googled that pain? <laughs> and all of a sudden, ah, my, I've got an incurable disease. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to die in six months because you Googled a pain in that area. And you look at the symptoms. Can I tell you, I looked at the symptoms. I was reading an article one time, and, and I discovered I had six of the ten 10 symptoms, symptoms of menopause. I mean, I was suffering from them right then and there. You can just invent in your mind all of that. Can I tell you? The, of a, the thought of things getting worse. There are some of us, that's your struggle with tithing. You struggle financially. But if I tithe, it'll get harder. You're struggling with the fear of things getting worse. Little do you know, God can step in and God wants to show himself mighty in your life. You take that and, and until you get to overcome the fear of that, can I tell you, you're going to always be paralyzed and never have God's blessing in your life. That's what God intends. Another fear, the fear of, of letting go. Yeah, the fear of letting go. That's the... That's the person that continues with an addiction. They know it's wrong, but they just, they won't make the break. An unhealthy relationship a single will get into. But, but if I let go, then who will there be? I won't have anybody. It's the fear of letting go. The fear of rejection. Any divorcee has felt that. Yes, going into the next relationship, you walk into it and you're in a shell. Distrusting, wounded, hurt. And you carry that fear of rejection. It was, the, the, the divorce was so profound. The breakup was so heartbreaking that you, you carry that. Another is the fear of the unknown. Yes, the fear of the unknown. The fear of losing. I try it. No, no. What if I, what if I did it and it didn't work out? No, the, the fear of the unknown. I've never been in a life group. Oh, I, I don't know if I could do that. No, I, no, no one in our family has ever got a degree. No, no, I, no one has ever gone that far. I'm just afraid I spent all that money and I just can't get a job. No, no, I just, I'm, just, I'm afraid to do that. The fear of the unknown. It's known as the fear of believing. 
And some of us have the fear of believing. The fear of, of believing that God could do something, that God would work. There's something in your heart that awakens and warms. To, you have the passion, but you've never had the courage to do it. You have the passion. Oh, I want to see God work. I want to see God do something in my life. I want to see God change my marriage. You have the passion, but you don't have the courage because you suffer with the fear of believing. And there are many of us that are caught in that. Caught in that. Fear is driven by what could go wrong. Courage is driven by what could go right. Courage believes things can change. Courage believes things would be different. Without courage, we will be destined to be passengers in life, never the driver. With fear, you will always be the passenger, but courage puts you in the driving seat. And some of us, because we have the passion, but we don't have the courage, guess what? Circumstances are making the decisions in your life. Well, I'm not going to school because it never worked out. I'm not doing this because it won't. I can't do this and we can't get over marriage. There's no use going to counseling. There's no, and you have done that all. Your fears, your fears are driving. Your fears are making all the decisions. You're going to be the reactive parent. You're not going to come to a family conference. You're not going to do, but the day it's broken down, then you're going to step in and you're going to try to repair Titanic when it's sinking in the ocean. You're going to try to rescue it at that moment. And that's not what God wants. God wants greatness in your life, in your marriage, that your life could be to His glory and the benefit of others. And how you get in the driver's seat of life is you have to exercise courage. And there's two quick thoughts I want to leave you from Gideon. And after these two quick thoughts, we're going to have an altar moment. Some of us are going to make a commitment to Christ. Yes. You've struggled with the fear of believing. Oh, what if, if I go up there, they're going, to, they're going to try to sign me up since join the church. and They're going to try to do this to me. and They're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to try to make me do this or make me do the fear of believing. And some of us, God's been stirring in our heart. God's been talking to us. This is to be a different year. You're, you're wanting... You're wanting a greater spiritual depth and experience. And I'm going to invite you to say, God, I'm, my heart yearns for you. I just want to go with you. Two things from Gideon. The first one is believe for God's enabling power. Believe for God's enabling power. Notice verse number 14 of this chapter. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. Well, I haven't done the seminar yet. I don't have an army yet. Oh, I haven't got swords, and I, I don't have the ability. I, I don't have support, and the family's not with me. We haven't figured it out. We don't have enough provisions. And he was making all of the excuses, and God just stepped in and says, Believe for enabling power. Gideon, just go in the strength you have. And I'm here to say, just begin to go in the strength you have. Don't say when I get the car paid off. Don't say when summer comes. Don't say when I finish the degree. Don't say when this situation, when our marriage is better. Just start now. Believe for God's enabling power. Start now and move into the greatness that God has for you, for your family and your life. You see, God... Both, and this is encouraging to me, God both gives courage and he rewards courage. And that's, oh, oh, God, thank you. The Bible says he gives strength to the fearful. He gives strength to the weak. He gives courage and God rewards courage. He'll give you the courage. Just go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have and believe God for his enabling power in your life. And there is something deposited here there is something in verse number 13. I want, to, I want to read it to you. God comes to Gideon. He says, you go in the strength you have. But I want you to notice something in verse number 13. Let me read it to you. And I want you to listen. You'll, you'll notice this. There are seven plural pronouns. Catch the seven plural pronouns. Now God is talking to Gideon. Gideon replies... With seven plural pronouns. Let me read the verse. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon talking to God. Gideon replied. 
But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midians. Do you notice the seven plural pronouns? I'm talking about believing God for his enabling power. And fellows, let me just talk to us a minute. Just let me talk to you. Wherever you go, you'll take your family with you. Whatever you make, decision you make in the singular, it's going to have plural results. Whatever you decide. If you decide to courageously follow God, you'll take your family with you. But if you acquiesce and say, no, not me, not now, I can't do it, you'll also take your family with you. You see, we read in Scripture and we understand something. A singular yes becomes a plural success. Don't tell your kids what they need to do and what they ought to be doing, sir, if you're not making those decisions yourself and living them out. If you will step up with a singular yes, as me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I tell you things will change? You say, but pastor, you just don't understand. We have a teenager, and if we start doing that, he'll pout. She'll pout. They just, it's just a difficult time. If we tell them that they can't do that and can't go out with the wrong friends, and, and they can't do this and they can't do that, we tell them they have to come to church, and they just pout. I'll tell you how to cure that. I'll tell you how to cure it. You remind them, every electronic device I own. You're on my phone plan. And it was one phone call to put it you on, and one phone call will take that off. You pout to eat dinner at this table, you come with the right attitude. Or not, you don't sit at the table. So you'll have supper when you get over the attitude. My, my mother used to put it this way. If you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Now, that was her words, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard that. And my mom, my mom had the gift of laying on of hands. Can I tell you that? She, she really did. My dad was so patriotic. He believed in the stars and stripes. If you didn't obey him, he would give you stripes till you saw stars. Can I tell you? It worked. It worked. It worked. I'll tell you, it worked. He could deliver you. There could be a deliverance in the house. And can I tell you? You, moms and dads, if we will stand up and say these are the rules and the regulations, have courage, stand strong in the home. There are conversations, there are movies that should not play on the TVs you buy. There should be places and conversations and websites your kids don't visit on the, on the programs and the internet you pay for. I'm saying, believe God. For his enabling power. He'll help you. He'll help you. God, God wants your family to succeed. We just in a few days ago lost the, well, the great evangelist of the 20th century, Billy Graham. Can I give you my favorite Billy Graham quote? Here it is. Billy Graham said, courage is courage contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. I like that. If you will stand strong, if you'll stand strong, your singular yes can be your family's plural success. You'll take your family with you. And number two, number two, last, receive God's sustaining power. Yes, believe God for, for his enabling power, but receive God's sustaining power verse number 15 here's Gideon pardon me my lord this is Gideon talking pardon me my lord but how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest it's in Manasseh and I'm the least of the least I, I'm the smallest tribe and of the smallest tribe I'm at the bottom of the pecking order in that tribe it's not me you've got to be talking about somebody else I'm the most fearful you remember God I'm in the wine press I'm, I'm so afraid to be seen I don't want, God, I can't do it. And God spoke to him in verse number 16, and the Lord answered, I will be with you, and I'm going to strike down those Midianites. 
I'm going to strike down the thing that's devouring your home, the thing that's ravaging your finances, the thing that's ravaging your marriage, the thing that's trying to steal your kids, the thing that's driving a wedge between you and your family, the thing that's putting you at the bottom of the list. It's that antagonistic coworker that's just trying to ruin and undermine your career, the one that's trying to pull the rug out from underneath you right now. If you'll believe for God's sustaining power, can I tell you, God will stand up and God will defend you and God will strengthen you stand strong and see what God can do in your life what God can do in your marriage what God can do in your finances God wants to work if we will stand strong stand strong stand strong that's what God wants you can do it you see God believes every one of us have a making great life and the Holy Spirit is fighting for that in you he's fighting for that's what I call you to. Stand strong. Walk away from your fears. The fear of believing. Why don't you step out and just see what God can and will do for your family, for your life. I'm going to invite this audience balcony and main floor to just stand together with me right now. Which has been a wonderful wonderful audience. We're going to go into an altar moment. Set down your electronic device. Put your Bible aside. We're going to go into an altar moment. All across this room, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads right now. Just close your eyes. Just a moment. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're in charge. Holy Spirit, you're the master of ceremonies right now. There are people in this room you need to connect to God. You're, you're on the journey of believing, but you have the fear of believing. You've been hesitant. You come into church, but you've never really said, Jesus, I'm going all in. I, I, I just, I need to make it happen. I, I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to invite our prayer team to move forward right now. And for those, those that you're you need to connect with God. Some of us were connected with God. There was a time in yesteryear when we were a kid or formerly three years ago, we were, we were serving the Lord, but we've drifted from God. You, you, you found yourself in a backslidden position. You're away from God, and God's calling you back, and you're ready to believe. I'm, I'm going to believe. If that's you, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come forward right now. Just step out in the balcony. There'll be prayer team in the aisleways. Just go to them and they're going to pray with you. Now, here's the moment you need to believe. You need to come to Christ. You need Jesus as your Savior. You come now. You come now. We're, we're going we're gonna to lead you to the Lord. We're, we're going to let God just do something. There's a, this is your moment. Take, be, be courageous. Don't, don't sit there. You, you've been in so many services and said, next time, not me. I don't have to. You've had this internal conversation for so long. I'm calling you to a, to a courageous moment to step forward and say, Jesus, I'm going all in. I'm just, I'm going to serve the Lord. You come now. Just come now. Just come now. Balcony, just, just step out. Just step out. Some of us have been in the balcony. We've been there and God's dealt with our heart. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. The Holy Spirit has talked to you. But you've never taken that step with the prayer team person. They're ready. They're right now for you. This is your, your moment. This is your moment. Second aspect of this altar service. It, 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 could, be, it could be the most saved person in this room. It could be the person with a, with a good marriage, everything's great, everything's, you're blessed, your, your cup is running over. But for some reason, you've just sensed, this year I believe God is just speaking to us more. I just, I entered the year with a yearning, a desire, God, more, I want, I want, I want to go deeper, I want more. If that's you, if that's you, I want to, I want to invite you to to identify it by coming to an altar. At Westover, we believe in altar commitments. I'm going to invite you to just step out and just come and stand right here. Just stand in the, in the, in the altar and you're going, to make, you're going to make a decision with the Lord right here. 
Yeah, you, you may not fully understand what that means, but you know there's a yearning in your heart. Oh, God, I want things different. I, 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 I believe things could be and should be different in my heart right now. You come. You come just stand in this altar. You see, I believe an altar is God's operating table. This is where God does surgery. This is where God changes hearts right here. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, you come. Just come to the altar. And now, the third part of this altar appeal. And it's for every one of us left. I'm going to have, invite the worship team to come forward. And they're going to lead us in worship. And let me tell you a little bit about the culture of Westover if you're new. At Westover, we value time and space for the Holy Spirit to speak. We have moments like this because we believe the Holy Spirit just personalizes and speaks and He's able to just get into our heart and remind us and, and prompt us and nudge us and, and guide and direct us and give us wisdom. And now this is a Holy Spirit moment all across this auditorium. I'm going to ask you in worship to just allow the Holy Spirit to just come into your heart. Just come into your spirit being. Just begin. Would you join me, Westover? Would you join me with your praise, spontaneously with your praise and this Holy Spirit moment? Would you, would you just let the Holy Spirit just, just personalize what He has for you in your heart? There's a str stand strong area God is talking to us about. Would you allow that? Oh, hallelujah. Holy Spirit God, come into this room in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Let's worship. Worship team, lead us into the presence of the Lord. Let's 
of your praises in this place. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Over victory, he reigns on high. Our God is risen, he is alive. He won the victory, he reigns on. Come on, sing it out, sing it out. Our God is risen. With every voice in this place, Hallelujah. Yes, God. up in this place name above all names you are worthy of all praise still my heart will sing how great is our God how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God cuan grande es Dios cuan grande es Dios Cántale cuán grande es Dios y todos lo verán. Cuán grande es Dios. Name 
I just want to make mention I began in the month of February something I call the gathering of men invited men to come out earlier this month 150 men came out so we've broken it into two groups same 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 class Wednesday nights now the fourth Wednesday and the first Wednesday that's once this week and once the following week they're the same class and I invite our guys if you didn't join us I invite you to go with me I'm just saying guys go on a journey with me let's Let's stand strong in the Lord. You say, I, I don't know how. Join our class. Join us. Let's go on this journey. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. during our service time. I'll be in room 201. I want you to go on this journey. Because I believe if you'll stand strong, your singular yes will become your plural success. God will take your family with you. Thank you for coming. I remind you. Strong Family Conference, Friday night and Saturday. God bless you. Go in the love of the Lord.